All right, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Grab your Bible. Grab your Bible. Remain standing for just a moment. Turn with me to the New Testament. The New Testament book of Matthew. Matthew. How many of you are glad to be here? That's pitiful. Matthew chapter 26. Let me ask you this again. How many of you are glad to be here? I, I just got through spending a week. I just got through spending a week around people who would give their pinky toes to be here. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to put no guilt trip on nobody. But I, cannot, I can't even count how many times and how many people come up to me. And they're watching. They're watching right now. And, and they said, we wish that was here. They would give anything. They would give anything to be able to go every week and experience this. How anybody would on purpose miss this when they could be here. I could not wait to get back. And I sat there with tears in my eyes thinking, man, I'm glad to be home. Please don't take this for granted. Please don't take this for granted. I'm telling you, they're watching online right now. Online right now. Wishing they could be in this, in this atmosphere and be with this. You need to, every morning that you come to church, you need to thank God for what God's given you. I do. Amen. I do. Hey, man, it's good to be home. It's good. Well, wasn't that good to see all them youngins up there? Man, let's give God praise and glory for all them little people. Amen. That thrilled my soul. Last week, I, 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 I went to another church with, with my brother, and, and, and I, I was watching on my phone trying to get a little of this while I went to that. And, uh, and, and not that I was bad. That didn't come out right. That ain't what I meant. I just meant I missed y'all, and I wanted to see it. And, man, when I saw all them youngins up here on this platform, man, that just... Tickle me to death. Amen. 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 Today, today is going to be a little different. All right. Uh, I told you we're going to begin a journey through the New Testament. We're going to take our time. We're going to go through the New Testament. And today is the setup, or I guess if you would want to call it this, the introduction to the New Testament. It's going to seem more like a class. It's going to seem more like teaching than preaching. But I think you will enjoy it. And I think you're going to learn something. And uh, if you will be patient with me, I promise you this. I'm already ahead a little bit in my studies, and you do not want to miss one single message of this New Testament journey. I promise you. I, I, I can't wait till next week. I can't wait to talk to you about. Anyway, let's get started, or I'm going to run a rabbit because I hadn't been here in two weeks and I'm past due. Say amen. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 26, all right? Matthew 26, 26. When you get there, say amen. amen. Now, this is Jesus. <clears throat> this is Jesus in the upper room. They are the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. And, uh, and if you'll know, this is at, toward the end, and, and he's fixing to teach them a, a spiritual truth. And he's talking about Calvary. He's talking about what's going to happen the next day, and that's his crucifixion. It's Calvary. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, they don't get it. They don't understand it, but he's fixing to give them something new. 
And this is something I want you to put in the back of your heads that we'll get to later on as we study through the New Testament, that the Old Testament, the Old Testament does not end at the birth of Christ. The New Testament doesn't begin at the birth of Christ. The Old Testament carries over to Calvary. It is after Calvary that the New Testament begins. And I know some of y'all are thinking, what, what's the big deal? You will see. Very, very important. It's very, very important, all right? So let's look in Matthew 26, 26. When you're there, say amen. amen. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. Now watch this, here's, here's the verse, verse 28, let's all read in concert. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. Now let's read that again. For this is my blood of the, the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Father, thank you Lord for your word. Thank you for the presence of God in this place. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is with us right now. I pray in Jesus' name that you will guide my mind and my heart. Lord, this message seems a little bit out of place with the flow of the service. Uh, Lord, I, but I know this is what you gave me, and this is what I'm going to bring. And I pray that you'll fill me with an unction from on high. I pray, God, the Holy Ghost will fill this place with their, his presence. Lord, touch everyone with your touch. Lord, let them feel your power. Let them know when they leave here that they have met with God today. I pray that your perfect will be done. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? I, I, want, to, I want to take this message and this time... Uh, to kind of set up uh, what we're going to be studying and what we're going to be looking at. And I want to I give a, a reminder. I want to give a reminder about uh, some of the things that I shared with you before about commentaries. Remember this. There is no commentary that's inerrant. Okay, does everybody understand that? There is no commentary that's inerrant. In other words, there is no man that's perfect. And there's no commentary that's perfect. I don't agree with all of them. I agree with some in all of them, but not all in all of them, if that makes sense. Are y'all with me? So don't, don't get so convinced with commentaries. The only thing that's inerrant is your Bible. And the best commentary to the Bible is the, is the Bible. So, so keep that in mind, because sometimes you'll read something, and, and you may read something that a commentary, it's his opinion about something, and it may not be right. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So just keep that in mind. It's very important to remember, all right? So now, here we are. Here we are in the New Testament. You say, why do we start here? Why do we start here? This is the first time, this is the first time in the first place in all of the Bible that you see the phrase New Testament, all right? New Testament. Say that with me. All right, when you have your Bible and you open up, you have an Old Testament 
and a New Testament. I've heard that my whole life. I mean, I grew up in church. Y'all know I, I grew up a preacher's kid, so I, 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 I've heard the Old Testament. I've heard the New Testament. And, and, and you say, well, what are they? This is what we want to try to clarify today. All right? What is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? What is a testament in general? Well, that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to take here, and it starts here. There's a reason, there's a reason that this is the first time, this is the first time in the New Testament that you hear the term New Testament. Because the New Testament itself, and, and it, I'm getting ahead of myself, Let me, let's just, just jump to it, amen? I, I know where I'm going and I want to get there, amen? If you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, number one, I want you to see the difference in the New Testament, the difference in the New Testament. There's a, there's, there's a verse I want to read, and then we'll jump into the subs there. Hebrews 9.15 says this, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions uh, uh, for, that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now here's what I want you to take out of that verse. First you have the phrase New Testament, and then you have the phrase First Testament. Right? New Testament and First Testament. First is just another name for Old Testament. So in this verse, you have the terms New Testament and Old Testament. It's the word first, but it, that's what it's referring to is the Old Testament. Are y'all following me so far? Amen. All right. Now, 2 Corinthians 3.14. 2 Corinthians 3.14, we have the term Old Testament. It says, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the... Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now, here's your subs. Write this down. A, there's some definitions to know. There's some definitions to know. Let's, let's, let's study this word. Let's study this word testament, all right? The word translated testament in the original signifies covenant. Signifies covenant. It means covenant. Say that with me. Testament means covenant it is translated the word it is translated in the english testament in matthew 26 28 but it's the same greek word is translated covenant in hebrews 8 6 and 9 the general meaning of the word covenant is an agreement between two or more parties but sometimes it signifies the absolute appointment of a person respecting matters which are entirely at his own proposal in other words it, it, it means that, for instance, God makes a covenant that he just says, I'm going to do this. Are y'all with me? Usually a covenant is in agreement. And I say, uh, Brother Montgomery, if I do this for you, you'll do this for me. Right? That's what most people see as a covenant and agreement. If I will fulfill my part, uh, if we have a covenant together, then Brother Montgomery will fill his part with me. But that's not all. Sometimes it's one person saying, I will do this. For instance, how many of y'all remember in the Old Testament when, when, when God destroyed the earth with a flood? After the flood was over, he met with Noah and his sons. And he says, I make a covenant with you. I'm not going to destroy the earth again with a flood. And he gave him a token of that covenant, that agreement, with a rainbow. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. Noah has nothing to do with it. Not, not, none of the people of this earth. It's all God. Say that with me. It's all God. Now, so what are we taking from this? What are we taking from this? To really understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, let's plug in this word covenant. And it will help you make sense 
of both halves of the Bible. So in the beginning, you have the old covenant. Come on, come on. This is not difficult. I'm going slow, right? Amen. In the beginning, you have the old old covenant, the agreement, the agreement that God has made with man. Okay, then in the, in, the, in the end, you have the new. So Genesis to Malachi is the old, and then Matthew to Revelation is the new. Okay, are we all together? Are we, this is all going to make sense in a minute. I'm setting the table, amen? You can't get the groceries till we put the plates on the table, amen? Now, watch this, watch this. That's the definition, understand Understand testament means covenant. It means covenant. It means agreement, okay? Now, then there's some differences to remember. In other words, differences between the old covenant and the new covenant, all right? Now watch. Matthew Henry's quoting, I believe it's G. Campbell Morgan, but this is what he says. He says, the two covenants are always in Scripture. The two dispensations or religious institutions that under Moses is the old And under the Messiah is the new. So in the Old Testament or under the Old Covenant, we have Moses. Under the new, we have the Messiah, which is is Jesus, okay? Got Moses in the old, Jesus in the new. When mention is made in the epistles of the two covenants, Moses and Jesus are always contrasted, especially in Hebrews. If you want to just put a note there, Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is all about all about teaching uh, the Jews that the new is better than the old. Are y'all with me? The new covenant is better than the old covenant. The new promises are better than the old promises. Jesus is better than Moses. Are y'all with me? All right, now, these are contrasted. These are contrasted. Moses and Jesus is contrasted. In other words, they're compared with one another. The Jewish economy, and the word economy means the way they did things, the Jewish way of doing things, and the Christian way of doing things. Mount Sinai in Arabia, which is where they received the law, where the Jews received the law in the Old Covenant, and then Mount Zion in Jerusalem where the gospel was first published. That would be in the New new Covenant. Are y'all with me? Front, now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. From signifying two religious dispensations, these terms came to denote the book's wherein what related to those dispensations were contained. Matthew Henry quoting Edward Bickersteth. He was a Bible theologian. He says the word dispensation literally means in common terms, the dealings of God with his creatures seem more exactly to convey the meaning. So if we're going to study this, we need to understand the Old Testament is the old, and it is a dispensation, which means what? The way God dealt with his people or his creatures, if you will. In the Old Testament, there was a certain way God operated and God dealt with the people on this earth. Does that make sense? Now we find ourselves in the New Testament. The New Testament is the new covenant, the new agreement, if you will, the new promise, if you will. Are y'all with me? And, and this is how God deals with his people now. Because the way God deals with his people now is different than the way God dealt with people then. Here we have Moses. Here we have the Messiah. Does this make sense? 
It's different now. You say, oh, no, no, it's God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I understand that. I understand God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, but he don't deal with people the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If that was true, we'd be burning calves up here on this platform. Are y'all with me? Things are different now. Things are different now. Listen, there, there, there was a time when it was eye for an eye. Now it's turn the other cheek. Don't tell me that ain't different. I'm all for the eye for eye stuff. I'm going to just tell you that right now. I'm a little carnal, amen? Anyway, I'm sorry. Edit that part. Don't let that. There was some benefits to the old covenant, amen? I'm, I'm kidding. Now, so are we together in understanding that the Old Testament, if you want to really understand your Bible, you need to understand that the Old Testament is the Old Covenant. It is the covenant of the law. It is dealing primarily with the nation of Israel and God's dealing with this world through giving his law. He gave his law on Mount Sinai and said, if you will do this, I will do this. Or does that make sense? But now we are living in the New Testament, which is the new covenant. And God said, whoop, say it, man. That is a covenant of grace or law. This is a covenant of grace. Amen. Now, can everybody see the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? So this is where we're going to go. Number two. Number two. That's really, really important. Why? Because here's the problem. Some people try to take old covenant theology and mix it with the new covenant promise. Are y'all with me? And it's no different than what it's no different than what the Judaizers were doing in the New Testament. And Paul was starting church and says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And they were saying, Yeah, it's by grace, but you still got to follow the, the law and Moses. Can't do that. So that's a whole other story. We'll get to that later on. Now, number two. Number two, remember, this is the intro to the New Testament. This is the intro to the New Testament. What is in the New Testament? Number two, I want you to see the departments in the New Testament. First, we've seen the difference in the New Testament. Now I want you to see the departments in the New Testament. What consists of the New Testament? What consists of the New Testament? We know it's uh, Matthew through Revelation, but what's the difference in them? First, A, if you're writing these down, I want you to write this down. First, there are historical books. Historical books. Write that down. A, there are historical books. What are they? The historical books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. These are the historical books. And if you want to write underneath that, write this down. First, you have the Gospels. You can put A under that or one under that, however you want to do that. <clears throat> you have the Gospels. There's the, the historical books are in two parts, the Gospels and the book of Acts. The Gospels record the life of Christ. Okay, the Gospels record the life of Christ. Then B, the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts, records the life of the church. Okay, the Gospels record the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the gospel, the good news. Amen. 
All right? But then the book of Acts records the life of the church, the birth of the church at Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2, the expansion of the church, the church spreading to abroad, the, the church going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. Somebody say amen. It gives you an understanding and teaches you how we got the Bible to Gentile people, how that God changed from dealing primarily with the Jews. Now he's dealing with the Gentiles and the Somebody say amen. So that is the historical books. And that's where we'll begin with our study is the historical books, the life of Christ, the life of Christ. It's a, and by the way, by the way, all the Bible is about Jesus. Amen. The Old Testament is Jesus is on the way. The Gospels is Jesus is here. From Acts on out, Jesus is coming back. Amen. But we see the historical books, all right? Then B, the second, the second department or categories in the New Testament is the doctrinal books. <clears throat> the doctrinal books. This is where we receive our teaching, and I'll get to that in just a moment, all right? The doctrinal books, okay? These are broken up into two parts, too. The Pauline epistles, in other words, the letters written by Paul to churches and individuals, the church at Philippi, the church at Colossae, the church at Thessalonica, right? First and second Thessalonians. And then the church, the, the, the writings to individuals, right? Uh, first and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. These were specific individuals he was writing to. That is the doctrinal, the Pauline epistles. But then you have underneath that, underneath that, write this. Then you have the general epistles. That is Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, Jude. The general epistles. Now remember, I'm giving you the introduction. I'm giving you the introduction. We're not going into detail with these. I'm giving you the introduction. So you'll have this as we go through it. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Okay, so we have, we have, first we have the gospels or the historical books. The historical books. Then we have the, B, we have the? Doctrinal books, which are consists of two things, the Pauline epistles and then the general epistles, all right? Are we together? Is everybody on the same page? Say amen. All right, then we have the prophetical book or the prophetical department. Obviously, that is the revelation. That is the revelation. That records the things to come, okay? That records the things to come. The historical books records the things that's happened, and, and, and Revelation, obviously, is recording the things which are to come. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Now, now, how many of y'all have learned something already? Okay, lie to me. How many of y'all have learned something already? All right, that's much better. Amen. Now, number three, number three, and here's where we can take our message. You can use the other for intro, whatever you want to do. Uh, uh, we have the Old Testament, the New Testament, which means the Old Covenant, the old way that God dealt with folks, and now the New Testament or the New Covenant, the new dispensation, the new way God is dealing with folks today. Now, how many of y'all are glad God is dealing with us in grace? Amen. Are y'all with me? I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we are under grace. We are under the mercy of the Lord. Amen. Now, now here's number three, the final point today. I want you to see the distinction with the New Testament. The distinction with the New Testament. <clears throat> the primary subject of the Old Testament <coughs> is Israel. The nation of Israel, uh, just about from Genesis to, to uh, uh, Malachi, 
you have nothing but the nation of Israel. We saw where it formed. We saw where God promised it. And uh, God prophesied that it was going to take place. It started with Abraham. Uh, we saw the nation as it grew, uh, the nation as it was delivered out of Egypt and delivered out of bondage and brought and given the law and given the ceremonies and given all the ways to become a nation and to become a people. We've seen as it went into the land that God promised it to be and as it become a kingdom and a great nation and a great people, it had great kings and bad kings. And then we see its sin and its failure and its rebellion and its disappointment to God and and then we see everything that takes place. They lose their kingdom. They go because of, uh, because of sin. They are judged. Because of sin, they are punished. And now they lose their kingdom. They lose their kings. They go into captivity. And we see all of this taking place in the, the Old Testament. So it's primarily about the nation of Israel. Okay? Now, I want to give you just a little hint. I want to give you just a little hint. The primary subject, this is the distinction of the New Testament, A, or not A, but just, just write this underneath there if you're taking notes. The primary subject of the Old Testament is Israel. The primary subject of the New Testament is the church. It is the church. Now, now, stay with me, stay with me. I know this is not my typical, and I hope I'm not boring you, but you got to get this stuff. You got to put the ball on the tee before you can hit it. Say Amen. The reason I told you, the reason that I told you that, 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 and this may be a little bit too much for you to handle right off the first day, but I'm just throw it out there and you can chew on it or put it in the side pocket till you can understand it and we'll, we'll explain it a lot more later. The reason that I told you that the New Testament does not begin till Calvary. It is not even mentioned the new covenant, the new agreement. The new way of dealing with things and the new way of God dealing with his creatures does not begin to Calvary. It's not even mentioned in the New Testament till the night before the crucifixion that we just read. It's because the Old Testament is still the old covenant, the old way of doing things is still in effect all the way up until Calvary. And that I know you're thinking, what's the big deal? It will be a big deal. Because there are people who take the beginning of the life of Christ and some of the things that he taught and some of the things that he shared, which is under the old covenant. And they try to apply it to the new covenant. And that's where false doctrine comes from. Are y'all with me? Now, so here we have the main subject of the New Testament is the... Come on, everybody. Is the... Don't get in a hurry to leave. I hear the rain is coming. And all God's people say it. Now, what about the church? All right. What did we say? We have the historical books, right? The historical books. It's in three departments. The historical books, the doctrinal books, and the prophetical book, right? So what do we find for the church about the church in the historical books. Two things, two things. We find the church message and mission. Say that with me. The church is... Come on, everybody. The church is... So what is in the historical books? Jesus. Jesus. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Are y'all with me? It's, <laughs> amen. Amen. It says, be not afraid. Be not afraid. It says, glory to God in the highest, right? At his birth. We see there is a Savior. There is a Messiah. There is God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Later on in that chapter, John chapter number 1, it said, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Who is that? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a prophesied birth. It's a promised birth. It came to pass just like God said it was going to be. We see His life as He lived here on this earth. He healed people. He changed people. He taught. Oh, say amen. Amen. We see the life of Christ. We see the death of Christ. We see Calvary. We learn about an old rugged cross on a hill far away. We learn about the blood that was shed so we could be forgiven, so we could be delivered, so we could be saved. We learn about the New Testament, the new agreement, the new promise by God that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Somebody say amen. We learn what is our message. Our message is Jesus. What does this world need? It needs Jesus. What do drunkards need? They need Jesus. What do harlots need? They need Jesus. What do the broken need? They need Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, our message is Jesus. It's not social justice. It's Jesus. What does a sinner need? Jesus. That's our message. It's the only message we've got. It's Jesus. We can't forget that our message is the gospel. The greatest thing we have, the most important thing we have is the gospel. And what is that? The death, burial, and resurrection of our blessed Lord Jesus. The only way that you're going to solve your problem, the only way that you're going to conquer the sins in your life is through the power of Jesus. The only way you're going to run out of that grave like that song said, and that was great too. It's through Jesus. He's our message. When you sing, it better be about Jesus. Be careful all those songs that brag about what you're doing. You better sing songs about what he did and what he can do through you. I like them all. I do. I I get carried. You know, sometimes I like the music better than do the words, and I don't pay attention to the words. I just get caught up in the beat and the songs and all that. But Dr. Craig Edwards, he straightened me out on that. Because you, you, could, you, could, you could just plumb sing something that ain't even biblical. Are y'all with me? Now don't look at me like that, guys. <laughs> don't even act like you didn't lit, hear songs you was all jacked up about when you was a kid. And then when you got grown and had kids in the car and you listened to that song, you said, oh my goodness, it turned radio off. Because <laughs> you used to caught up with everything else. You didn't even know what the word said until you listened to the word. You think, dear God, I, I got to wash my ears. And all God's people say it. We can do the same thing with religious songs. Yeah. Our message is Jesus. Our message is Jesus. See, we get our our mission from the historical books too. What did Jesus say? Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Our mission is found our, what is our mission? It's the mission of Jesus. Jesus said, I came not to, he said, I came not to be ministered to, but to minister. I came to seek and to save that which was. 
long. Can we can we be honest a minute? Just, just well, we're going. I'm going to anyway. We just, you know, there's so many churches getting caught up with so much stuff that's not even our our, our mission. Now I'm for good stuff and I'm for everything, but when you get so caught up with trying to ease the ills of society that you forget to give them the message. Let me say this. The church's primary responsibility is not to help drunk people sober up. It's not to help broke people find a house. Now, I'm for all that. I want to I sober up every drunk and every addict. I want them off of it. I want to help everybody off street and get in a house somewhere. I want to help everybody get a job. And by the way, everybody ain't going to get a job because everybody ain't going to work. But anyway, that's a whole other message. But it is our responsibility to share the message. To make disciples. You know what? We can get crowds doing all kind of stuff. But that's not our primary thing. Jesus could have, can you imagine what Jesus could have done with the power he had? But everywhere he went, he had a message. And he had a mission. That was to seek and to save that which was Guys, we can't miss that. We have a ministry that we've done for several years. Several years. I had a meeting with some people through that ministry. And I said, how many true, blue, sure enough disciples, faithful, committed, sold out disciples have we developed, trained, and not the word created, but you know what I'm saying. Through this ministry. This ministry has been going on seven, eight, nine years. Two. Now we've had crowds through it. We've had crowds through it. But it's not about crowds. It's not about saying at the end of the week or putting in the bulletin, we had so and so many for the... No, no, no. That's not, the, that's not it. I said, that's not the end. The end is Disciples. And sometimes we get so caught up in what we think the church should be doing, we forget to do what it should be doing. You see, in the historical books, we find the church's message and its mission. Say that with me. We find the church's Then we see the doctrinal books. The doctrinal books. What's the word doctrine mean? It means teaching. It means teaching, principles, practices. So here's the, here's the two words I want you to write down. Manner, manner and methods. This is where we find the church's manner and methods. Do not, and I repeat, everybody listen to me really good. This is so important. Don't try to take doctrine from historical books. There is so much false doctrine being taught, especially in the charismatic movement, because they've tried to take doctrine from historical books. 
We should take our doctrine, in other words, the way we behave, the way we operate, the things that we do and how we do it should come from the epistles of Paul, the doctrinal books, not the historical. Why? Because if you look at the book of Acts, you'll find it's, what is the book of Acts? What kind of book is it? It's a, oh, help us, Jesus. All right, go to Matthew. We're going to start over. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The book of Acts is a, you will find that there's a transition, there's a transition through the book of Acts in the way God did things. There's a transition from Acts 2 to Acts 8 to Acts 10. All right? Now, if you try to take doctrine out of that, you're going to be totally confused. Okay, did, are we supposed to do this? Or are we supposed to do it the way God did here? Or the way God did here? None. It's just a historical book. It is showing you how things progress through the church. Then how are we to know what to do and how to do it and how to operate? It's in the doctrinal books. It's in the epistles where God gave Paul the instructions on how the church should operate. And all God's people say it. Let me, let me, let me, let's go to something real quick. I, I've got time. i got time because I'm, I'm like, like real early today. Turn with me. <clears throat> turn with me. to. First, well, don't, don't, you, know, you don't got to turn. I'm gonna, I'll just read it because we'll save some time there. All right. In 1 Timothy, this will, this will be kind of help you understand what I'm saying. 1 Timothy chapter, now, now remember Paul is writing to Timothy. He's a pastor in the church of Ephesus. He's a young man struggling a little bit. And this is what he says. These things, right, this is, in, this is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. 1 Timothy 3, 14. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Now let's read that. Let's read that. Paul is writing this letter. What is this letter? It's an epistle. It's an epistle. It is in the doctrinal books, the books where we take our teaching from. What? Our manner and method, how we do things, how we operate. Does that make sense, everybody? Amen. The church. Watch this. Watch this. He, Paul's saying, I'm writing this letter, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to in the house of God. You see what I'm saying? God gave us certain books to teach us. What should the church do? What should be its priority? How should it behave? How should the elder treat the younger? How should the younger treat the elder? What is the responsibility of those who are teaching and preaching the truth? Everything from the beginning to the end, how we should work, how we should operate, how we should behave ourselves, we take it from the doctrinal books. And all God's people say it. Now, I know some of you are thinking, man, this is the boring stuff. I've No, no, no. You'll be the same people who get caught up in false doctrine because they're taking verses out of context to tell you the Bible says this when it don't. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of tell you like the, the, the drill sergeant and them war movies I love. I love war movies. I'm just telling you, I, I just love war movies. And, 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 and any war movie John Wayne in is a classic. Say amen. But I remember watching one, and, and, and the drill sergeant was all up in this, 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 this recruit's face, and I mean just giving it to him, and, and, and he's tried to say, listen, if you don't listen to me, you will die. 
I know this seems harsh. I know this seems difficult. I know you don't understand what I'm trying to teach you right now. But if you'll listen to me, you may live through this war. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you the truth. We have an adversary. He's the devil. He's roaming about as a roaring lion and he seeketh whom he may devour. We are in a battle. We are in the fight of our lives. And if you don't know how to rightly divide the word of God, you're going to be killed. So you need to know your stuff. Say amen. amen. So in the historical books, we find the churches. Remember the New Testament is primary subject is the church. And we see that we find in the historical books, the church's message and its mission. Say that with me. It's message. Come on, everybody. It's message and its mission. And then in the doctrinal books, we find its manner and its Methods. It's manner and it's methods. Where do we learn how the church should operate? In the doctrinal books, the epistles. All right? And all God's people say it. Lastly, we find the prophetic book, Revelation. What does this have to do with the church? It's the church's marriage and majesty. Y'all didn't think I could find two M's out of that, did you? We find the marriage of the Lamb. We find Jesus, the bridegroom, coming back for his bride. We see the bridegroom taking the bride home and the marriage of the Lamb. We find the glory and the majesty of the church sharing with the glory of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Somebody say amen. What are you saying? I'm saying this. The church is on hard times right now. The church is going through difficulty right now. Everything in this world is coming against the church. I mean, there's false doctrine. It's, not, it's, it's bad enough we got to deal with the crazy people in the world, but then we got to deal with crazy people in the church. And they're teaching false doctrine and trying to pull people away from the true gospel, the gospel of grace and the gospel of faith. But then I want you to understand, Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in that day. Preacher, what are you saying? Every tear we shed, every pain we feel, everything we experience, everything that you go through for the name and the cause of Christ, one day, one day, it will be worth it. Every single day, every single trial, every single difficulty, every single valley that you go through, one day, we're going to see Jesus in the air one day we're going to walk on a street of gold we're going to swing on a gate of pearl we're going to see things we've never imagined one day it'll be worth it all it'll be worth it all man I'm telling you what this world's full of heartache and trouble man I had to see stuff last week I, I wish to God in a lifetime I'd never have to see but one day one day the trumpet's going to sound. First Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with him in the clouds. What is that? That's the bridegroom coming for his bride. How do you know? For, for Listen, uh, let not your heart be troubled. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place you, and if I go to prepare a place you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. If you know anything about the Jewish customs of wedding, you understand that the bridegroom would go and search for a bride. And when he's found the bride that he's been searching for, he will secure the bride price. And then he will go back to the father's 
house and he will prepare a place for his bride. And when he's finished preparing a place for his bride, he will come back and they will be reunited and they will have a marriage and a marriage ceremony and a marriage celebration, which is a marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, I'm here to tell you, God sent his Holy Spirit and he's looking for a bride. And God has chosen the church to be the bride of Christ. And he came in on Calvary. He paid the bride price. And now he's up in heaven preparing us a place. And one day when that place is ready, one day it's going to come and he's going to receive us to be with him. And there's going to be a marriage and there's going to be majesty. Give him praise and glory, church. I know it looks bad for the church right now, but we win. I've got DVR at every game Florida played this year that we won. <clears throat> Y'all caught that last part, right? We were down 21 to 3 to Vanderbilt. It looked bad. The commentators had done wrote us off and said it's going to be a rough season for Mullen. But we had a fake punt and it turned the game around. And we kicked a snot out of them. <laughs> you know, I'm about to cry. You know what your Bible is? Your Bible is a souped up DVR. Your Bible's going to tell you that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Your Bible tells you that they're going to write the church off and they're going to say the church is done for and the church is going extinct. But let me tell you, son, I done read the last chapter and it's going to be great. Yes, amen. Amen. That's enough. Stand up. Everybody stand. How many of y'all are glad for the New Testament? Oh, yes, there's going to be, we're going to throughout this study, we're going to contrast the differences between the old and the new, and we're going to find the life of Christ. I'm trying to debate. I need y'all to help pray for me. I, I'm, really, I'm, really praying about, I'm really praying about taking and, and, and to begin the study of the New Testament, do a chronological study of the New Testament. In other words, for instance, it wouldn't start in Matthew, it would start in Luke where the, the angel came to Zechariah. The angel comes to Zechariah and tells him about John Baptist being born. That's the first thing that takes place in the New Testament. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not real positive. I don't know exactly how I want to do it that way. So y'all pray for me. Y'all, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool to take the next however many weeks it would take and do a chronological study from Jesus' birth all the way through his life in chronological order. That means in the order that everything happened so that at the end of that study, you got to study and read and see Jesus from his birth all the way to his ascension in glory. So be praying about that. Pray for God's direction on that. I, I think it'd be a cool, cool study to experience. So, so we're going to do this. We're going to do this. This is the invitation. I know this is really not a salvation message, but you may, you may be convicted.